John chapter 15, verse number 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the words which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, and ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. If ye abide, so if ye keep my commandment, and ye shall abide in my love, even as I kept my Father's commandment, and abide in this love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for the opportunity you have to be together. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage our hearts, Lord, as individual believers to be abiding in you, bearing fruit for you. You are an amazing God, and Lord, we serve you or should desire to serve you as believers. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to strive to bear much fruit for you. And Lord, I pray that any be here that are watching and don't know you as Savior, Lord, that they would accept you as their personal Lord and Savior. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last verse of 14, or the last part of 14, the, the disciples were making their way. It's verse 31 at the very end, it says, Arise, let us go hence. That's the last part of chapter 14. So Jesus and the disciples leave the supper, uh, the Last Supper, and now they're heading off uh, to the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, there Jesus would pray, and later he'd be betrayed by Judas. And as they're going, Jesus gives them this word in chapter 15 and in chapter 16. So it's, I, I like to do this when I'm reading scriptures, kind of mentally think about the place that the word is being spoken. Not that it changes much, well, it doesn't change anything what was spoken, but it just helps you understand the context, like what's happening around you. Uh, so they're walking now in the streets of the city. They leave the Passover, or the, sorry, the, the Last Supper, and they're, they're heading in. They're, they're, they're walking out of Jerusalem. So they're, they're walking, and I'm sure it's not super dark. I'm sure there's some lights around, but it's not like what we would have today in our modern cities with lights everywhere and things. Uh, so they're, they're moving their way out, and they go into the countryside, and maybe they can see little houses with lights on and things, like, you know, candles and stuff. Limited light, but there's some. And this time, it would be like April, mid-April, so the vines were beginning to blossom with the promise of the fresh harvest, you know, that, so that, that, that's around them. And as Jesus walks with his disciples, 
Perhaps he reaches out. We're not told that he did this, but it wouldn't be beyond uh, reality for this to happen, that he'd reach out and actually take a vine in his hands and start talking about this. And show them, this is the vine. I mean, I know they all have seen one before. It's, this is not a new thing to them. But he reached out, uses an object lesson. I mean, object lessons are great, right? They, we use them all the time with our children because they make an impact. There's something they can actually see or touch. And so with here, I believe the Lord is using this again in that way. And he desires to teach them how to bear fruit. Jesus taught them this because they needed it. They needed to be reminded. They needed to be taught these things. Jesus would soon be leaving them. And the work would continue and they would be the workmen. They would be the ones reaching the lost and helping the church. John fourteen twelve says, and at that day you shall know that I am my father and ye in me and I in you. We, you know, we too today, 2,000 years removed from this event, from this portion of scripture, we're still marching forward for Jesus Christ. We're laboring in the field. God is still accomplishing his work uh, through Jesus Christ and through us as believers. We are serving the Lord. And you may be sitting here in church this morning, or you might be sitting at your couch at home, dining room table, wherever, and maybe you wonder, how am I supposed to bear fruit? How, how, how do I do that in my life? How can I be the best at that in my life? So we see some things here in this portion of Scripture that will help us with that. We see the true vine in verses 1 to 3. Jesus and Jesus alone possesses life within himself. John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. All other vines are counterfeit. It's only one true vine. And he alone is the true source of everlasting, abundant life. He is the real deal. He is genuine. Others are fake. We see here as well that he's the husbandman. That's what it says there in verse number one. That refers to the vine dresser. We would probably use the terminology the gardener. The gardener. I just recently heard on the radio, I guess it was about a week and a half ago now, that was on 680, and they were talking about the big rise in personal gardens this year. People uh, having a lot of their own gardens and things. And uh, the, the biggest ones were tomatoes, uh, onions, and I can't remember the third one. Yeah, I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Maybe it was peppers. Maybe it was peppers. But anyway, that was the three major ones. And people were spending a lot more time in the garden this year because of extra time and things. And uh, Jesus, so have you, have you had a garden this week, uh, this year? You're, you're a gardener. Amateur one, that's okay. You're still a gardener. Uh, and, and Jesus, we look to the Lord, he's, the care, he's been given the care of the vineyard. That's his job. You know, that, that's what's taking place. In verse 2, it says, in me. In verse number 2, it says uh, that you may bring forth much fruit, and that the idea of every branch in me. This is reference to those who know Christ as Savior. This chapter, these verses, are directly... Uh, to the individual believer. That's who it's uh, inf- the inference is to. You, you can't be outside the vine and produce fruit. You have to be in the vine. You have to know Christ as Savior. We see that the, 
the, the gardener, you know, he protects the vine. He protects the garden. Uh, this past, uh, I guess, about three or four weeks ago, uh, we started having a little bit of frost or something in the evening, and I went out and put a big tarp over my tomatoes, you know, so just to kind of help them out that night and things. And uh, the next day I went out to take the tarp out, and there was a bunny in there eating food. I drove that bunny away and threatened him to be in my pot next time I saw him. But at any rate, uh, you know, just the, the gardener is to protect. He's protecting that fruit. And I'm glad to know the Lord Jesus Christ, he's watching out for us. He cares for us. He, he's our protection. And that, that knowledge should encourage us to do right. Uh, in Proverbs 15.3, says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. He's purifying as well. Not only is he watching out, he's purifying. So there in verse, uh, it says, taketh away, in verse number two. Taketh away. That means to lift up or raise higher. The, that is the gardener. He goes into the garden, he goes around the vine, and he looks for the unfruitful branch that's fallen into the dirt, and it lifts it up so it helps to be productive. I can think in my, in my own life, so we've had tomato plants for years now. I don't know how long we've had them. Every summer we have tomato plants. And uh, this, you know, just like this year, like other years, you go out there and making sure that none of the plant is underground because it won't produce like it could if it's you know, put up right. You know, I, I totally understand. I totally get what he means by taking it away. They're taking it out of the ground. And, and for us as individual believers, there's an application that we need to be fruitful and that we will be bare and we'll be unfruitful if we're in the dirt of this world. It's an application for us. We need to get out of that. And, and the Lord will help us lift us up. He'll challenge us and bring us up out of that dirt. You know, the gardener removes... Uh, the branch branches or pieces of things that would sap the strength. Um, so I don't know if, how many here have had gardens, but I know my, our tomatoes sometimes. I get it, it, I can't say I'm uh, always uh, consistent on this, but there's been times when I've been very focused on having the biggest tomatoes I can get. All right, I can't say it happened this year, but there's been in the past I've been like really focused. I want the biggest, juiciest tomato. I don't care if that plant only produces one tomato. I want the biggest. And I remember this one year I went out there and I cut off all the little tiny little pieces, the, uh, what they call them, um, sucker branches and little buds and shoots and leaves. I mean, really, it, you know what it looked like that year? It was just this little green stock with red tomatoes. That was it. I cut everything else off. And my wife's like, it looks hideous. I'm like, yeah, but we're going to have the best tomatoes. Because there's no energy going to those other things. It's all going to the fruit. It's all going to the fruit. And uh, that's the whole idea with the Lord. He's helping us to be more fruitful. He wants to cut out those things, that pruning. So how is the pruning accomplished in our life as believers? The Lord gives us his word. In verse number three, now ye are clean through the word which I've spoken unto you. The word of God cuts the heart. And we have another verse that talks about that in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divine asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is applied and it'll cut. I remember being times 
in the Word. Maybe it was personal devotional time. Uh, maybe it was times in a setting like this where I was in church and the Word of God is preached, it's read, it's proclaimed, and I feel the cut, for lack of a better word. I feel the cut. I, it's brought conviction to my heart. It has brought a contrite heart. My heart has been pruned, and, it, and the Lord leads me to get things right with him or with another. Maybe I'm mad at another brother, and the word of God is preached, and maybe the preaching is about forgiveness that day, and I know I need to forgive that brother or that sister, and the word of God is preached, and it cuts me. I'm like, I need to get that taken care of. Well, that's pruning of the heart, folks. That's pruning of the life to help us produce the fruit we need to. The greater question is, are you responding to the Lord's pruning? Because, you know, I could listen to that message about forgiveness and be mad at somebody and not forgive them. Then I hear that message, I feel that conviction. You know, I can still walk out the door and not get taken care of. I still could go on that next week and not give them a ring or send them an email or whatever it is to get that thing right. The decision is yours. What will you do? You know, the, the whole purpose of the vine is to produce fruit. You know, verse 2 talks about the, that every branch that bears fruit and he purges it that may bring forth, much more, bring forth more fruit. You know, the whole idea of the vine is to produce fruit. It exists for that purpose only. You know, if I got a tomato plant and put it back there and no tomatoes ever came, I'm not keeping it around as a decoration, right? I have other plants I can keep around for decoration. I got some climbing vines in my backyard that I really like, and they climb up the, the wood and things. Oh, I love those things, but I'm not eating them. It's not for that purpose. I go across my yard, and there's my tomato plants, and if there's nothing coming up, I'm like, Michelle, go to the greenhouse and get me some tomato plants that work, okay? <laughs> I need some ones that work. That doesn't work. I'm not keeping that around. You know, the whole idea of the vine is to produce fruit. Without the fruit, the vine, and all the efforts that are put into it are wasted. And listen, as believers, our position in the vine, our purpose is to glorify the Lord. That's our purpose. That's God's design. You know, think about this. When the, the fruit is yielded in the vineyard, so like the Thanksgiving time and the harvest is going on things, you know, the branches, the soil... You know, even the fruit doesn't get the credit, does it? You know, uh, we've had, uh, I like eating tomatoes, like with, maybe with taco and things of that nature. I think, yeah, we just had tacos on uh, Friday night and we had some fresh tomatoes. Mmm, tastes so good. I didn't go out to my tomato plant and say, well done, tomato plant. You did a great job this year producing wonderful, wonderful fruit. If I did that, I probably wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> my wife would have found a way for me to go to the closest mental institution. But at any rate, you know, we don't go praising the vine. What we do is say, hey, the gardener gets the glory because he was out there or she was out there taking care of things. Picked the fruit and made sure things were happening. You know, I, I don't think any of us, and if you have, please don't tell me, I don't think any of us have ever gone and praised the, the, the vine. All right, we were thankful for the person who did the work. So it is with Jesus Christ. He's done the work. He's done the work, and we need to praise His name. We need to glorify the Father. That ought to be the a desire of all believers today. We need to live our, way, our lives in a way 
in a way that brings honor and glory to God. Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. There is uh, some serious issues in the life of a believer who has no desire to honor God. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not saying that. But you have some sin in your life that you need to take care of if you don't care about lifting God's name up. You know, you, you, that, that needs to be part of who you are as a DNA, as a believer. You want to do that. Why not give God the honor and glory? He loves you. He sustains you. He cares for you. He's provided eternal life for you. Why would we not want to honor and glorify the Lord? You know, the vine supplies its life to the branches and that it bears its fruit. And we see some things about the bearing fruit here. The branch must be attached to the vine, right? It has to be. And every branch that bears fruit, it purges that it may bring forth more fruit. If you're not in the vine, there's no way that you can share in the vine's life. You have to be connected. And that this is all, this is all again, application for that absolutely necessity of the union between an individual and Jesus Christ. You need to be part of the family of God if you're going to produce fruit. Now, so if we have come to a place in our heart and life that we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are now in the vine. Uh, he is accomplished. We are put together. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, He has raised us up together and, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's incredible. He's, he's mended, meshed us into the vine. But the branch must abide in the vine. Verse 4, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Listen, I can haul off a branch of my best tomato when it's not quite done yet and try to stick it in the ground. Well, I'm going to lose that tomato, right? There's no life there. There's no life. The branch needs to be in the vine. It needs to abide in him. So how does an individual believer today abide in Christ? How does that work? I mean, I've been talking lots about gardening, so how does it work? How, how, do, how, do, how do I today, Pastor Mark, how do I today as an individual believer abide in Christ? I'm so glad you asked me that question. And there's a number of things. I firmly believe abiding involves prayer. Prayer. I mean, lifting up uh, our voices in prayer to the Lord. Studying the Word. Being in God's Word is part of abiding. Knowing God's Word. Submitting to the will of God. And that goes back to prayer and the Word of God. Submitting to God, you understand what you need to do submitting to God when you know God's Word and you're praying about it, right? If you're not doing those other two things, it will be very difficult for you to submit because you don't know what you're supposed to do. Oh, yes, you might know uh, I shouldn't do this or whatever. Your conscience might uh, pierce your heart and say, oh, no, I shouldn't do that. But if you want to know what the Lord wants you to do in your life, you need to be in God's Word. See what He says. And then the idea that you're drawing nigh to God, the idea that He has your heart, you love Him. That's abiding. The closer uh, we abide to the vine, the more we're in the vine, the more His life can flow through us to help us produce the fruit He desires. How would you describe your life this morning? Believer, are you abiding in the vine? 
Are you bearing fruit? As I thought about this this week, as I thought about the whole message, you know, I've come to my own, you know, I'm just thinking, it's like, oh yeah, I want to, I want to produce fruit, but I want even more fruit. And it's not for me to come up here and say, this is my fruit, see church? Uh, see this over here, pastor friend? No, that has nothing to do with it. It's for His glory. It's for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. And listen, the, the fruit bearing, that, that's a passive activity on the part of the branch. If the branch will simply abide in the vine, the vine will most certainly produce its fruit. And I find that liberating as long as I'm you know, in God's Word, I'm doing what I should be doing, I'm submitting to God's plan for my life, I'm in prayer, you know, I'm doing what my responsibilities are, God will help produce the fruit. I just need to make sure I'm in the vine. I'm saying the idea is that when we are connected with the vine as we should and submitting to God, we will do as He asks, He will produce the fruit in greater ways than if we decide, no, I'm not going to. I've I got to be honest, that, that's very liberating. It's not, it's not about my personality. It's not about my gifts. Because everybody has different ones. It's about me abiding in the vine. And you abiding in the vine. As we abide in the vine, as we are doing as we should, God brings the fruit. Is that the responsibility of branch? Our responsibility as a branch is to abide. That is it. Our duty is, to, and my duty, your duty is to abide in the vine, and then the fruit will come. So back, I guess it was in May. Maybe, yeah, it was probably in May. We planted our our uh, tomato plants and things. You know, the fruit didn't come up the next week, right? It, it's hardly noticeable the growth. But you go from May to October, and man, it's huge now. Massive amount of fruit, and we've been enjoying it for a while, uh, the tomatoes and things. It takes time. I think sometimes we have been lured into this mindset. We live in a world where everything is instant. So if I don't see something instantly happen, then I'm, I, don't, I don't have the fortitude to stay at it. Now, uh, I, I, I like coffee. I think some of you know that now. I like coffee. I've had instant coffee that actually tastes pretty good. I can be honest, it tastes pretty good. But the, the best stuff is that stuff that's brewed. Oh, you smell it. Wafts in your house. I can see a few of you are coffee drinkers. I can see your smile through your masks. Okay. You know, that just takes time. It tastes so good. It takes time. And as individual believers, it takes time to produce fruit. We still need to abide, even if we don't see the fruit. Adonai Johnson uh, was a missionary to Burma. And he labored in Burma, actually in that part of the world. He did travel a little bit in that part of the world. But he was in that part of the world for 37 years. He, he stayed there and he labored. Only once that he returned back to North America... In those 37 years, only once he went on furlough in 37 years. But the first 10, of the year, uh, first 10 years in Burma, he only saw a handful of people come to Christ. Only a handful. I think it was like 18 people in 10 years. All right, And there, there was very little dysphoria of Europeans or Americans in Burma at that time. It was a very hostile place. Because of wars, he suffered in... Horrible prison camps. I mean, horrible. 
deplorable places. His first wife, she passed away about six months after he was released from the prison. Uh, And a few months after that, his infant son died. And that was in the first 10 years. I don't know about you, but as I read that this week, I thought, you know, I would be really, I would be really tempted to go back home. I mean, I gave 10 years. I gave 10 years. I reached some people. I was in a prison. I had nothing to do with the war that was going on. It was a war between Burma and the British Empire. He wasn't even British, but I'm putting in the prison because I'm a foreigner. I mean, it was just a horrible situation. I mean, I could see him say, hey, I'm done. 18 is enough. His second wife died as well from diseases in Burma. Actually, she got a disease and died on the way back to the United States. At 61 years of age, he died traveling back to the United States, and he was buried at sea. But after the 37 years, this is the idea that it takes time. He translated the Bible into Burmese. Helped start a hundred churches in that area. And there was believed to have been at least 8,000 folks saved for the ministry directed back to him and helped him start that hundred churches and things. When he arrived, there was no one. When him and his wife showed up, there was no believers that they knew of. A Judson abided in the vine. He stayed there. And the Lord used him in amazing ways. I'm sure there was days when, especially the first years, let's just go home. Let's just go back. Let's go to somewhere where it's a a lot less hostile. But he abided. And boy, did the Lord bring forth amazing fruit. Now, verse number 6 tells us, If a man by not me, he's cast forth as a branch and wither, and men gather them and cast them in the fire, and they are burned. Not every branch abides in the vine as it should. It's still attached. It's still part of the tomato plant or whatever plant you're thinking of at the moment. But it ceased to draw life from the vine's fullness. As a result, it's fruitless and it's withered. And when this thing happens, there's results. It cast out, not abiding. Now, this is not an inference that you lose your salvation if you sin. It's not what this is talking about because we believe God's word shows us once we're saved, we're always saved. Eternal security is real. But it's withered. It's not doing as it should, so it's removed. Hey, we can find other portions, portions of scriptures when there's people in a church who did what was wrong and they were removed, right? They were removed and the idea they died. Oh, they're in heaven, yes. But they were doing wrong. They weren't abiding the vine and God took them out. And the idea of withered means there's... Possessing no life is dead and dried up. And, uh, you know, I, I've gone out to my uh, tomato plants and other plants at times and see the, the withered uh, branch or whatever, though the rest of the vine is fine, and you just take it off. You know, it, remove it. Or it's starting to get a little iffy, you're like, mm, I don't know if that's going to come around. You can't watch it. The idea of a dried up uh, leaf or branch. That has an application for us as believers today. Unfortunately, there seems to be a lot of dried up Christians. 
And this is just application. This is not what this word, you know, the direct interpretation of this portion of Scripture. But there's a lot who seem to be withering on the vine. Not having that abundant life in Jesus Christ. You know, he didn't start that way. When that individual accepted Christ as Savior, there was great life. And for a long time, maybe, there was uh, excitement for serving Jesus Christ. But now the excitement has given way to dryness, to deadness almost. There's weakness, there's emptiness. There used to be fullness, but now there's weak. Where there, where, where there was weakness, there was once power, but now it's all gone. And the idea is that they have, driven, they have taken themselves out of abiding in the vine. I, I can't say I guarantee you, but often when I help people like this and encourage people like this, they're not praying, they're not in God's Word, and they don't care about God's will. Hey, those are things you need to be doing to be abiding in the, in the vine. If you're not doing them, then you're going to wither. Because you're not doing as God has wants you to do. They've lost that fellowship. Oh, there's still, there always will be a son or daughter of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, absolutely. Uh, but they are not producing fruit because they're doing it their own way. They're doing life that they want to do. You know, there's lots of reward, too. When this life is over, there will be many who will be unfruitful. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide, which he have built thereon, he shall receive a reward. But if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Many think that just getting to heaven is good enough. I mean, that, listen, that is wonderful, Amen. Heaven is a wonderful hope, a reality for all believers. But why not go with much fruit for Christ? Why just be content with just making it? Why not get plugged in, abide the vine, and bring forth fruit? I want to hear that well done. And if we're going to hear that well done, we need to be a fruitful branch for Jesus Christ. Verse number 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. So this is referring to, uh, there's some promises here. This is referring to unhindered prayer life. That's what this is referring to. And it makes sense that you will not have a hindered prayer life when you're in the vine. When you're abiding in Christ, when you're abiding in the vine, your prayer life will not be hindered. I'm not saying that that is the key to get everything you want, because that's not the way it works. But what I'm saying is that when we're in the vine, our prayer life is so in tune with the Lord, it helps us pray the right way. Rather than you at home praying, Oh, I so hope I get that red Camaro. (laughs) Instead of you're saying, Lord... Provide for me exactly what I need to get to point A to point B. If that's where you are right now. I don't know where you are right now. The idea that when we are in the vine, abiding the vine, we pray the right way. We're not like in James where we're praying and asking amiss to fulfill our flesh or lust, but we're praying in a way that says, Lord, I want your will. I want it done your way. I'm abiding in you. And the Lord honors that prayer life. There's no hindrance, there's no blockage. It doesn't hit the roof and come back down again. No, it it goes to the Father. Unhindered prayer life when we're abiding in Him. Verse number 9, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love. It's unending love. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ loves all men. That's why He died for all men, amen? 
That's why he died for everyone. Because he loves them. But there's an extra special blessing for those who abide in him faithfully in the vine. A special deepening relationship with him. That's the promise of the vine to the branches. You abide in me, oh, you're, you're going to experience my love in a greater way. Uncommon joy, verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that your joy might be remain in you and that your joy might be full. Uncommon joy. Joy is not happiness. Happiness depends upon happenings. Right? That's, that's what happiness is. Happenings. You get a pay raise, you are happy. Right? You're, you're doing a little happy dance. That's what they call it, right? The happy dance. You're doing the little happy dance as you go out of your... Pa- uh, the pastor doesn't give you a pay raise, by the way. I was going to say that. Your boss's office. You know, you're, you're doing a little happy dance. Uh, you, uh, someone takes you out for dinner. And they say, ah, oh, I'll take care of it. Woo! Where are we going? I'm a little happy right now. We know what that is. That's that good things that happen. Joy is a deep seated, settled inner pleasure. So it has nothing to do with happenings. It's deep seated assurance and confidence in our relationship with the Father and with Jesus Christ. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That ignites in our hearts to serve the Lord. We have that joy. Joy is some things about joy. Joy is divine in nature. It or, origins are from God. It's only by God. It's not from materials and, and temporal things. That's not where joy comes from. Again, that goes back to happiness. Happenings. No, joy is from God. It's from Him. Joy is not dependent upon happenings. It, it, it totally has nothing to do with it. Uh, I can... I think you know, but if you don't know, I'll let you know now. I enjoy traveling. I like to go see places. I like to see beautiful uh, creation. Uh, I like to meet new people, particularly in my line of work where I go preach in other churches, meet believers from other countries. That's amazing. And then uh, the fellowship and the food. Okay, I'm going to be honest. I like the food too. All right, try new things. I like that. I was very much looking forward to, in February of 2021, going to the Philippines with my son Nathaniel and brother Dave Legaspi. The three of us were planning to go in February to the Philippines, many of you from there. And uh, I was going to go there, I was going to spend a couple of weeks, <clears throat> just lined up places to go preach. And uh, then on the way back, as we were starting the planning to do that, a pastor friend from New Zealand, we were talking online, and he said, do you want to come preach for me? I mean, who's going to say no to that? The go to New Zealand. I'm like, yeah, I would love to do that. And I told him, that, hey, we were, me and my son, uh, deacon of my church, we're going to the Philippines. He goes, okay. He said, I'm very flexible. Come after your trip in the Philippines. I'm like, oh, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be so cool. You know, and we were looking forward to it, me and Nathaniel and Brother Dave. And filthy old Corona makes an appearance. I wasn't happy about that. You know, no going. But that doesn't take away my joy. Because my joy is not rested in travel. 
or seeing creation, though that's amazing, or seeing other believers, which is great, encouraging, and trying new foods or uh, experiencing things, going on hikes and mountains and things. Yeah, well, that's all fun, but that's not where, that's not joy. Because joy comes from abiding in Christ. It's from Him. Even in the most difficult situations, you probably have met people who are going through the worst times of their life. And they have a joy that leaves other people scratching their head like, what? Does that person not know that their husband or wife has got cancer and it doesn't look good? Does that person not know that their son has been in a bad car accident? And I've seen this happen when those people have that kind of joy that leads to great opportunities to witness. Like, how can you be so peaceful when you're going through that? Oh, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Joy is definitely a product of faith. When one is assured of one standing in Christ, when one's an abiding in God, when one is doing as it should, man or woman, one of the results is absolutely joy. Joy. You know, joy has another addition thing to it as well. It produces faithfulness. Nehemiah 8.10 says, Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord, neither, shall, uh, shall, uh, neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Joy has a way of strengthening you. And hey, doesn't that make sense when that person's going through something horrible? They have that joy in their heart. They have strength for the day. Oh, yes, they're weary and there could be things on their heart and lined and they're worn down by things. But the Lord gives them that joy to give them the strength for the day, for that day. Not talking about the next, but for that day. One day at a time, right? One One day at a time. Jesus is the true vine. He is the true vine. His desire is to live through you so that you might bear fruit. And and listen, uh, just just one little thought here just came to my mind. As being part of the vine, it's never the branch's responsibility to compare its fruit with another branch. How foolish is that, right? I've never gone out to my tomato plant and hear them talking amongst themselves like, oh, the branch on the left side is producing more than me. If I heard plants... Talking, again, I would be somewhere else right now. No, they don't do that. They just produce what they can. Some of the branches are not as big as the other branches, right? They, they just abide in the vine and they produce what they can. So for you, produce what you can. Again, it's not in your strength, it's you abiding. Prayer, in the word, following God, submitting to him. And see what God will produce in your life. Don't worry about sister or brother so-and-so and their problems and their muffs-ups or, oh, they can't produce. No, don't you worry about that. You be concerned and you work on abiding in Christ. Bearing fruit. Close off with three questions. First of all, the most important, are you in the vine? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Have you been born again? That's another terminology we have. We, you probably have heard of. Or have you been saved? Is another ver, uh, verbiage we use. But have you accepted Christ? Have you been grafted into the vine? 
you haven't, you can't produce any fruit until you do. Heaven's not your home if you have not accepted Christ as Savior. I would encourage you to make that great decision. Accept Christ. Are you abiding? You've made that decision. You have grasped into the vine. You, you know Christ the Savior. Are you abiding? Are you, are you drawing from His strength? Are, are you doing what you should be doing? Are you reading His Word? Are you in prayer? Are you following the will of God? Are you submitting to Him? And help you bear fruit. And Christian, let's be praying that we can bear even more fruit. Don't worry about the other one. Don't worry about the other branch. Don't worry about the other brother and sister. Be an encouragement, yes, and encourage them along the way, yes. Help them produce fruit, yes. But it's not comparison. Be honest in your own heart and life. What kind of fruit are you bearing today? With every head bowed, piano begins to play. Where are you? Has the Lord revealed... As the preaching has unfolded, has the Lord revealed to you there's things in your life that you need to prune away? Maybe there's some things that are pretty dried up in your life. Hey, where you sit, where you are on watching us online, let get that taken care of. We want to be producing fruit for Jesus Christ. Don't let a sin or a situation not forgiving a brother for example or you know you know you know you should be doing something don't let those things stop you from abiding in the vine abide in the vine and this morning the greatest need you have is to know Christ as savior come to him if you don't need if you don't know him as your savior you need to be in the vine dear jesus help us to be abiding in you We want to produce fruit. Lord, help uh, us to make the corrections, if there's corrections that need to be made as individual believers. Lord, help us to have that desire to bear much fruit for your honor and glory. It's not about us. It's all about you. And Lord, I pray you be with any that don't know you as Savior, have not part of the vine yet. Pray, Lord, that your conviction would come upon them, and Lord, that they would... Seek you, and you will be found. Lord, I pray you bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen.